I'm going to give you three words, and you try and tell me what they have in common. Siren, Electra, and Malibu. Those three words happen to be the stage name of three of the all-time most popular American gladiators. Yes! Battleship had this sort of a patriotic thing to it, and then I was thinking, like, head-to-head battling, and then I was like, oh... American, American gladiators. Freaking yes. gladiators. Oh my gosh. Big hair, big bodies, big prizes. American gladiators. That's right, everybody. Welcome back to 80s High, the podcast that revisits the best stuff from the 1980s. We're your hosts. I'm Inferno. And I'm Army. <laughs> and this is 80s High. Special edition. American Gladiators. Oh, I'm so excited for this episode. This is going to be great. <laughs> this is going to be great in so many ways because we've got a special announcement for this episode that we're so freaking excited about. Uh, we really do. I'm. I'm right now, I'm on cloud 80. You don't have time for nine. That is like, we're so low on the cloud totem pole. Like you are at the tip top. Right. Because uh, in real time, three hours ago, Chris and I got off our very first interview with a celebrity for the 80s High podcast. Ben, who did we get to speak to? Who did we have the pleasure to have a chat with about their experience on American Gladiators? TV show. We put out a massive trawler net for all of the ripped bodybuilders, models, athletes involved in the creation of American Gladiators. And incredibly, what popped out of this bodybuilding oil water, we got none other than Mr. Darren McBee, who most people would know him as... Malibu. Malibu, one of the original gladiators from season one of the launch of the show in 1989. We just had a great 45-minute conversation with Malibu, one of the most iconic gladiators of the entire run of the show. Hang 10 guys like Surf's Up and Brewskies and Babes. Brewskies and Babes, which is not what he said, but is how they cast him back in the 80s. That was the character. Um, So much fun. So you're going to hear him throughout this whole episode, sort of helping us go back to American Gladiators and sharing his experiences. It was so much fun. He was so great to talk with. A blast. Such a generous guy. You're going to get to hear that straight from Darren himself. Uh, but we're wasting time here in homeroom because I want to get to his sultry voice on the airwaves. Let's go hit it off in history class. Well, we have to, but I think morning announcements are going to come on at some point, right? I mean, do we even have to wait for those right now? We have Malibu! Attention, 80s high. This is American Gladiator wannabe Aaron, here to chair today's homeroom announcements. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to catch the latest show topics and a joyful stream of 80s nostalgia. 
That's 80s High Podcast on Instagram. Today's lunch menu will be laser burgers and thunder tots. How much protein? All the proteins. Today after school, don't miss sign-ups to join the class of 80s High. Get advance notice of show topics, answer fun survey questions, and share your memories with a chance to have them included in a future episode. You can even be the next classmate to read these announcements. Email 80shighpodcast at gmail.com to join. That's 80shighpodcast at gmail.com. After school today, the Mogwai Powerball team will host its inaugural tryouts. Come get some. Thank you and have a stoked, awesome day. Go Mogwais. Okay, let's go. <laughs> okay, good, fine. My gosh, why can't school start already? So history class, you're going to hate me, but you're so American gladiators, we can't understand American gladiators until we understand what a gladiator is. Oh my god. My gosh. language in high school. Okay, took, school's out. I'm done. I, I took <laughs> I had all these language choices. I took 3 years of Latin almost solely because after your 3rd year, if you took the 3rd year, you got to go to Italy for a week uh, and go like do translations and stuff. So anyway, Let's get really fast into this. So there's a lot of different origins of on how gladiatorial combat began. But most likely it started around 310 BC at a celebration of the Campanians after they beat the Samnites, which is all southeast of Naples, Italy, is where this all went on. And as a celebration, they so had... it's a beautiful place, kind of great fun. food, and they're just battling it yeah, out. Yeah, just summer. They're very welcoming. So good. Another one has it about 50 years later, uh, when slaves were made to fight to the death at a funeral of a distinguished aristocrat, Junius Brutus Para, in 264 BC. And as the aristocracy often likes to do, they can't be one-upped. So that just sort of spread like wildfire throughout the rich in Italy and be like, hey, we got to have slaves fight to the death at our party. That's all the rage right now. But we're talking 264 BC. Different times. So lots of coliseums, lots of gladiatorial battles. But of course, the most well-known one was the Colosseum in Rome. And this is where Daenerys's dragon comes <laughs> into the arena. Am I right? And just starts breathing fire on everybody. <laughs> No, I thought you were going to say this is where Spartacus rides the chariot. Uh, and no, this is where she first, you know, rides Drogon as he <laughs> rescues her from the, was it the right. harpies? Do I have my history correct? Is that No, right? that's right on. The most famous okay. battle in the Coliseum were the, the White Walkers versus Drogon. Um, <laughs> no, so these slaves from all over the world that were brought to the Roman Empire would be sent to these schools. In Latin, it's uh, Ludi to go learn how to fight specifically for the gladiatorial games. Um, they were all the time, festivals, holidays, and usually they'd fight to the death. You've seen the whole thumbs up, thumbs down thing, which actually shows up in the first season of American Gladiators. They did the same thing, where if they didn't kill somebody, but they were like out of commish, uh, the crowd would vote with a thumbs up, thumbs down, whether to kill them or spare them. Also, didn't the ref wear like executioner's... Hood? Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Refs have evolved a lot in American Gladiators. When I saw that come on, I was like, that was a choice. Oh, yeah. It's something that also leads into American Gladiators. In the original gladiatorial combat, there were a lot of varieties. So you you had combatants from around the world with different fighting styles, with different weapons from swords and clubs to tridents and maces. Sometimes they fought against wild animals that had been collected around the world. Sometimes they were in chariots or even the Colosseum's floor could be sealed and flooded. And there were even naval battles within the Roman Colosseum. What? So a big variety of battles to test uh, agility and strength, which will come into play. 
a couple thousand years later. <laughs> wow. Which brings us seamlessly, nothing has been missed in history up to American Gladiators 1982. I think you've accurately covered the entire time yeah, span. Yeah, no, we sounds right. Sounds right. Yeah, yeah, head-to-head athletic combat. We've got we've covered all of history. So, American Gladiators. Do you want to break down what it was slash is, or do you want me do you want me to give that to the folks? I will give my best shot. You're going to fill in some blanks, I'm sure. Yes. So this is a show where anyone could audition to go up against other mere mortals in feats of strength against these demigods, these muscular, oiled, what would you call them? Athletes. They're athletes, right? In this podcast, every time one of us says oil or oil, take a drink. That's just, that's a, that's <laughs> just how we're going to play this episode out. Lotion will also count. <laughs> so... <laughs> And you would do these different events going up against these gladiators and you're playing for points. And at the end, you and this other mere mortal, there's usually what, uh, what was that final event called? The face off where they're going up against each other to see the eliminator. Who, the eliminator. There yeah. it is. They do this eliminator challenge where it's like this big obstacle course. And then whoever, you know, really is triumphant at the end has the most points wins and becomes the next American gladiator. Am I close? Am I good? No, that was fantastic. That was perfect. That's exactly what it is. All right. So it's a sort of like, yeah, a realish kind of game show meets wrestling uh, and everyday folk fighting these incredibly fit gladiators. As lo- as far as we can tell in our research, nobody died. Everybody was paid for their time. So they uh, they grew very far from the ancient Roman days of physical head-to-head combat. Yes, thankfully it is uh, elective. You can choose whether or not you want to participate. Exactly. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Tarantino this a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to jump forward, and then I'm going to go back to the real origin of the show. But just to polish off what you were talking about, so it premiered in fall of 1989. Ten men, ten women were selected to participate. Thirteen-week tournament, and sometimes one or more like had to withdraw due to injury because this was real. Like there's just like wrestling, there's some theatricality to it. But it is real athletic competition, and people got really, really hurt on this oh, show yeah. Oh, yeah. a lot. Um, after five matches that went down, the winners of those matches automatically advanced to the quarterfinals, along with the three contenders with the highest scores among the five non-winners. Once the quarterfinals began, the tournament became a single elimination affair. If you got to the semifinal round, you'd leave with no less than $2,500 cash. So there was prize money in this. And this is the late 80s, $2,500. Is the, is I'll take $2,500 circa now. I would take it right now. Right? Straight up. The tournament runner-up would get five grand, while the winner would receive ten grand. And originally, in season one, the premise was if you won, if you were the everyday Joe or Jill who won, you became a gladiator in the next season. What? Just how shocking that idea is, it did not actually happen. I couldn't find oh. why they canceled it, but it was just a line that said, like, and that never happened. Hold on, <laughs> so, that needs a classic bin. What? What? Because <laughs> how often, like, seeing these gods, that would inspire me to be like, you too could be a gladiator. And you're like, really? Absolutely. And, oh, and then the premise was they would face the winners of season one. So it was like sort of this, how these seasons would blend together. The champions would face one another. The grand championship, da-da-da-da, is uh, how it all end. So... What was your American gladiator name that you gave me at the top? Army. Inferno. Uh, that's yeah. right. 
all these characters had over-the-top names that made them sound like good guys or bad guys, like G.I. Joe characters. From what I can tell in the show, all the gladiators were kind of on the same team. It was sort of like the everyday people versus the gladiators. Right. Uh, but they all had these big characters, so there was some sort of spice that you were going up against. So, I mean, there have been, there were seven seasons of the original series. Yeah. There was a two-season reboot in 2008, and we're going to get some more gladiators after that. But just some of the original names that might spark some memories. Our hero, our guest on today's show, Malibu. Oh my God. Lace, Zap, Gemini, Nitro, mm. Bronco, and Sunny. That's the original cast. And then later you get like Laser, Jade, Ice, Thunder. You can do oh. the Thunder Shake. He had a very special intro that he came in. Turbo, Storm, Tower, Cyclone, and so many more. So good. So I mentioned in there Malibu, and we talked about how the contestants got in the show, but... Maybe we should hear about how our guy, Darren McBee, Malibu, came to be an American gladiator. Yes, let's go to Darren for that. I used to be an L.A. County Sheriff deputy. Um, I went into it with this altruistic thought process as a 21-year-old kid that I was going to be a cop and I was going to go save the world and help people and all that stuff. And then... You know, as a deputy sheriff, you spend the first couple of years working in the county jail system. And I learned very quickly, very quickly, how dark the world can be sometimes and how much people don't really like police officers in a lot of ways. And so after that, um, I was sent out to work the gang units because I was, you know, I'm six four, so I was a big guy. And so they put me on the gang unit. So I was involved in a lot of um, situations getting intel for different gangs in the cities. So I learned very quickly that that's not the job I wanted to do for my life because I became very jaded and very cynical very quickly. And um, unfortunately, some of the role models I had were not the best guys in the world to be teaching me how to be a cop. So I decided uh, this isn't for me. After that, I thought, okay, let's do something totally different. There's another thing I don't tell a lot of people, but a friend of mine at the gym, as I was in the process of leaving, a guy that I was, you know, we'd laugh and work out together. He said, listen, I work at this place called Chippendales. And he said, how would you like to come and you can be a waiter there? And I thought, well, that sounds like fun. So I found myself from being deputy, from deputy sheriff, wearing a star in my chest and a gun in my belt to wearing black spandex packs <laughs> to the bow tie. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Fantastic. I have to admit that I, I really had a ball doing it. I saw a side of women that really just kind of made me howl. Yeah, it was, it was a really interesting experience because when women go to something like that, it's totally different than when men go to a strip club, for instance. Mm -hmm. Like men go to a strip club, and, and this is a generalization, of course, but it's pretty close to being accurate. Men go because testosterone's in their body and they're thinking lusty, crazy things about these women. Mm -hmm. Now, women go to Chippendales. It's not that they don't think of those things because they do, but most of them is just fun. They're just out there to have a great time, laugh at their girls, you know, see guys and kind of just have a good night of camaraderie. So the atmosphere is just different. And uh, anyways, after I became a waiter, the owner asked me if I wanted to be a performer. And I was already thinking, okay, yeah, I want to get into acting. I want to get into modeling. So why not? I'll be a dancer. And so I became a dancer and went to Atlantic city, spent three months out there dancing, came back and then left the Chippendales and got into modeling. And then this is how the whole gladiator thing came into play, which yeah. was really cool. 
I was, um, again, at the gym, a friend of mine worked at Universal Studios doing this show called Conan, Sword and Sorcery Show. Awesome show. And ever since I was a kid, I loved the whole Conan thing. So I went and auditioned for it, and I ended up being picked to be Conan up there. Just as I get hired from being at Conan, I'm riding the life cycle again, and a guy next to me is reading a trade paper called Variety, and he says, Darren, there's this show that I think you'd be great for. I said, what? He goes, well, it's a new show. It's called American Gladiators, and uh, they want these muscular guys to compete against contenders in these wild games. I said, wow, that sounds like fun. <laughs> so the next day I went down, <laughs> I auditioned, and I killed the obstacle course. I mean, just because I was in crazy great shape at the time. So I killed the obstacle course, did everything I need to do, then went and interviewed in person as that Malibu character. They're laughing their butts off. And the next thing I know, I get hired on American Gladiators. So at night, I'm doing the Conan show. And during the day, I'm on the lower lot filming American Gladiators. So I'm jumping up and back and forth, living a dream all of a sudden. It was such a surreal, incredible experience doing that Conan show for five years. I can't even tell you. It was just magical. And doing the Bosa shows at the same time, I kept pinching myself going, am I, am I dreaming? This is amazing. So from L.A. County Deputy Sheriff to Chippendale's Dancer to Universal Studios, and then he's there. Well, Annie plays Conan. Right. How many opportunity stories start with getting out of a situation you're not a huge fan of? So he left a job he didn't like. Right. For great reasons. Right. Um, and then he's like, you know what? I got what it takes to boogie a little bit. I love that he went for it. That's awesome. And it's totally fitting with his personality. Like you can just tell that kind of fun and energy is what he's all about. And yeah. so you could, you knew he just had a blast with it. Oh my God. Yeah. So oh my great. God. I'm not going to go through all of the events, but I want to talk about the events on it because that's really important for context to understand this show. So each episode would have a variety of events with the gladiators either doing the exact same event as the contestants and who can do it faster or better, or it was like literally can the gladiators beat the living bejesus out of the contestants to stop them from doing stuff. So I'm going to hit you with a name, an event name, and you tell me if you know what it is or what your best guess is. My name is Army, and I'm ready for the challenge. <laughs> assault. So Assault, I believe, is the one where they've got the tennis ball cannon. They're shooting the balls at them. The gladiators are. The contestants have to like move through a series of barricades. I think they have to try to hit targets. Yeah, they're trying to hit a target next to the gladiator. Right. Okay. Perfect. You nailed it. Atlasphere. I can't remember the goal, but they're in these giant like spheres, like hamster balls, basically running yeah, around. Are they trying to get to a, a location in the arena? There's like targets on the battlefield that you can roll your ball into. Right. And that gets okay. points. Uh, breakthrough and conquer. Oh, okay. This is the one where uh, you have to do two things in a row. You first have to like run to, it's kind of like football. You have to run to the end goal. Uh, while a, a gladiator tries to stop you. And then if you get to that point, then you have to go to the next zone and wrestle another gladiator and try to knock them out of the arena. Nailed it. You've got this. You've got this for sure. All right, just a few more. I'm trying to go through some of the top, like, really famous ones. Human Cannonball. So this is Human Cannonball. You take the contestant, and they stand on, like, a 20-foot platform. They get a Tarzan rope. They turn their 200-pound muscled body into a meat missile <laughs> and launch themselves directly 
and with full force into a gladiator who's standing on what I'm going to call a cocktail table that's like 10 feet up in the air. And they have to deflect this onslaught, this human missile with basically a couch cushion. Yeah. I don't think we really got into it with our interview with Malibu because he's, he's talked about it a lot in a lot of interviews and it's a kind of a bummer thing. But in season one, he gets hit hard in this game. In the face. Gets hit in the face. Yeah. At this full speed and gets knocked off. And, and you described it very well. How does he land on the mats below? Okay, so this guy swings down, kicks him in the face, basically. Malibu falls backwards and becomes a human folding table. He folds like into himself. His legs come back and he ends up kneeing himself in the face. Yeah. Yeah. In doing so, and gives himself a concussion. And he needed facial reconstruction surgery yeah. after that, right? Stitching and a little bit of facial reconstruction. It was quite a hit. And I hate to spoil it, but that's not the end of his gladiator career. Like, he kept going. It's amazing. Okay, two more. Joust. So Joust is where, and I think this event changed, but in the first season, they're standing on this long platform. On, it's connected. I think in later seasons, it's actually pedestals that are separated correct they're holding pugil sticks pugil sticks pugil pugil sticks which basically if you don't know look like giant q-tips exactly and you're trying to knock the gladiator off or they're trying to knock you off exactly so it used to look like this epic bridge where you met in the middle of the bridge and fought but it was so easy to like touch or shove each other with your hands or your shoulders i think they made the pedestals so that you could only really hit each other with uh i'll go with q-tips well so the episode that i watched it was uh, Gemini who was doing it. And I think in both instances, he did grab the guy. The yeah. first one, he got a violation from right. the judge. And then in the second one, it didn't end to the guy getting knocked off. So that makes a whole lot of sense. You can't do that. No touchy. This is about the Q-tips or nothing. Well, the problem with Gemini, man, the good side listens, but the bad side the ain't having it. Whoa. Ain't having it. <laughs> uh, last one, which is the major one, the, the last one of every event, the Eliminator. Yeah, so I mentioned this one earlier, the Eliminator, and I cannot recount all of the aspects of it, but I remember the ending so well. So it's like an obstacle course. You're doing all these different challenges. I think there's, you're climbing a wall, you're going off, I want to say there's like the unstable platform you kind of mm -hmm. have to walk across without falling. And then you have to sort of go through these obstacles kind of weaving between them. And then you have two choices to break through this paper wall. Mm -hmm. And you don't know what's on the other side. On one choice, there is a gladiator there ready to stop you from getting through. And you will be stopped. And you will be stopped. <laughs> because it is not a lot of space. It is a human-sized portal that you're punching through. So you're going to run into a giant slab of beef on the other side of that. <laughs> or if you choose luckily, then there's nothing blocking your way and you get to the finish line. And it's a timed event. Perfect. And I do want to point out you know, something. I, I, I don't know if I was very clear about this. You said slab of beef. I think going back and watching Gladiators, what I was impressed with that I didn't remember, it is straight down the middle gender. So there are half of all the Gladiators are women and they're huge and jacked and strong and athletic. Half of them are men and the same with the contestants. And at least in the episodes that I rewatched, like you never had men versus women in events, but like it was a very like, here are these amazing athletic women, here are these amazing athletic men doing all the exact same courses. Nothing was changed right. for the different genders. So that was a really cool thing to see in American Gladiators. I, I would say it was a little surprising for 
the 80s. Yeah. In a good way. In a good way. In a great way. Yeah, yeah. So that's we've given a good background of how the game worked, what the show was. So let me go back and tell you about the birth story. So 1982, we're in Erie, Pennsylvania, and you've got an iron worker named Dan Carr. And what would you guess someone who invented American Gladiators, what would their profession have been before they started? I guess I would think they'd be like a radio personality or... Someone in entertainment, right? Like they're they're in entertainment and they see some idea and they're like, oh, this is gold. I tell you gold. <laughs> I love that they're also like a prospector. <laughs> it's gold. There's I gold in this here hill. Um, <laughs> no, the other creator, John Ferraro, was an Elvis impersonator. I mean, that was my second guess. That was your second guess, for sure. And these guys put on a fundraiser in a high school gym in Erie, Pennsylvania, and they called it King of the County. And mm. you can have these other sort of rust belt people come and they competed in a variety of athletic games, not as ostentatious and over the top as American Gladiators, but similar feats of strength and balance, like arm wrestling, tug of war, things like that. Okay. Can I just say ostentatious would be a great gladiator name? <laughs> ostentatious. Ostentatious. Oh my God. It's glitter. It's fireworks. It's shimmering. <laughs> All mirrors. Um... So 5,000 people came to this thing. It was wow. all set to music. Ferraro hired a camera crew to record the whole thing because he's like, I bet this could be a hit. This could be really big. And so he took the recording and he had a contact. He finally got in, in touch in Hollywood in front of Samuel Goldwyn Jr., the G and MGM Goldwyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was really intrigued. He pitched it as Star Search for the Working Man. MGM isn't their mascot. It's the it's the lion, right? Right, right. What has a more rich, beautiful mane than a lion? All of those characters. Well, Malibu specifically. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, let's, he's he's the king lion of the lot. Let's be clear. So Goldwyn says, "Show me what you got." And so Ferraro does this casting call, gets all these gladiators in, and he spends nineteen hours straight. They start shooting at 9 a.m. They wrap at 4 a.m. the next day in the Los Angeles Equestrian Center near Burbank just to make a seven-minute pitch tape. Oh, my God. And so Goldwyn's watching this. Ferraro goes to show it to him, and he's, like, not into it. He's not feeling it. This is not what he was hoping to get. And then he sees Assault. The high-powered tennis balls running around the obstacle course trying to hit the target. And he was That's like, what did it? He thought Assault was awesome. It's a cool event. Like, don't get me wrong. It's but like, he was into nothing until that. Yeah. He was like, this is the gym. Wow. He loved Assault. So Ferraro, in 1988, they go to the National Association of Television Program Executives Convention. And he goes around. He's pitching the show. He's showing the movie. They're meeting the gla- And the gladiators are all dot up. Hair's blown back. Makeup's hmm. on. They're jacked. Hmm. They're in the uniforms. And um, they signed up stations all over the country with a 13-episode order. And next thing, they're in Universal Studios Stage 27 producing American Gladiators. Oh, my goodness. So the show ran for seven seasons, 1989, September, till May 1996. It was not an immediate hit. They, like, put a call for people to come fill in the stands, and they couldn't get enough people. So you could actually, if you go frame by frame, and this is what they said, they painted faces onto planks and put them in the seats of the stadium. Fake audience. That's like some stuff you've seen over the last year where you have, like, the Boston Dynamics dogs dancing in baseball stadiums and stuff during games. Right. It was amazing. Because they're at Universal, right? They're at the Universal Studios... So they're like there for a day of entertainment. And so people would leave. So like halfway through the show, 
Yeah, they'd have this like fake audience members in there. Exactly. That's awesome. The first season while they're working on it's a lot of experimentation of like how to make games exciting, how to make them competitive, how to make them at least a little level of safe. There was one game I rewatched where I was like, this can't have been allowed. Whiplash. I think it's Whiplash. Where it's basically like the gladiator and the contestant hold on to what looks like a dog pool toy. Like mm. it's shaped like an hourglass. And they just try and yank each other out of a circle. Just throw each other out of a circle. How many dislocated shoulders had to have happened in that? So there's a lot of experimentation. Well, Human Cannonball is a great example. Oh that one eventually got cut from the roster. Human Cannonball. So most of the games, though, after season one stay pretty steady, except for the Eliminator, the final one. The big final showdown, that game had a lot of tweaking that went through the years. Um, but they said they really upped the audience when they started to bring in celebrity football announcers. I think the one that I watched last night that had Malibu in it, Joe Theismann was the announcer. He was, yeah. He was on the one I watched too. Because originally they had someone who looked like he was an executioner, like you said. So black robes, black oh, hood, man. and that was the guy who navigated people around on the floor. Very dark. Yeah, that's a weird choice. I think going with the actual sports announcers, great, great move. Well, totally, because you had this origin of the show in this Rust Belt audience, these working men and women, class women who love these sort of professional sports to follow. And so sure enough, get the celebrities from those shows to narrate this American Gladiators and get them on board. The start of the show, Ferraro, he was always a big fan of the Rocky movies. So he actually got Bill Conti to do the, uh, who did the Rocky movie soundtracks to right. do the American Gladiators theme song. Stroke of genius. So good. The first season was incredibly, to put it in their words, the Gladiators' words, barbaric. Mm. They got wrecked. Like, certainly the contenders were small enough, but the people that they got to sign up for this, again, these sort of blue-collar working-class people were into this show, and so they got cops, they got firefighters, they got ex-Marines, they got people who were into martial arts. And so this was like, I know I keep saying this so much, but this was not that theatrical. Like, it was these people versus these guys, and they were out to win. You're absolutely right. These people were in it to win it. They wanted to best these gladiators, get that cash prize, get the glory. And the games were kind of stacked against the gladiators to begin with. So even though they were these like huge physiques and like peak physical condition, they still had their work cut out for them. Oh my No doubt about God, it. Yeah. There's a great clip out there and we didn't ask him about it because he'd already done it. So you can go find it. But Malibu lists in an interview with Sports Illustrated all the injuries he got on American Gladiators. And it's it sounds like what you hear from professional football players right. or Olympians, uh, martial artists. Like, it's a lot of damage. I got stitches on my eyebrow once. That was the biggest injury I've ever had. It was real bad. But to hear Darren's stories, it's incredible. I jumped into a doorway once and split my forehead open. <gasps> oh, God. It was right before my high school graduation. Oh, my God. I had 13 stitches right across. It was like a unibrow. Wait, it like right connected before... my eyebrows right before high school graduation. I moved my uh, cap so that the little thing came down over the stitches. Wait, was this before or after prom? Did you go to your prom? I did not go to my prom. Okay, Thank okay, you for bringing that up. Thanks for dredging up that sad well, memory, you It would have been even worse if you had to go to prom with a unibrow. With <laughs> a stitches unibrow. <laughs> Check out Han Solo brow over here at the oh, dance. It was bad. something else. Um, so the last little nugget I got is that the show got bigger and bigger and bigger. They brought in, they had sort of special episodes. So they brought in like celebrities from movies. 
They brought in pro football players. They brought Olympic athletes some episodes. Just because our time was running short with Darren, I didn't get to ask him. But in another interview, he talks about, we've mentioned on the show before, the movie Lost Boys. In this one of these celebrity episodes, one of the stars of Lost Boys was on. In a previous activity, in another episode, Darren Malibu had gotten his eyebrow split open. And he just had it stitched back up. And right before they filmed this activity with this star from uh, Lost Boys, Malibu leans in and he goes, hey, man, just be cool. And like, can you not hit me in my stitches when we film this? And the guy was like, yeah, sure. No, no, no. I got you. So the camera's rolling. The guy immediately punches him in the stitches. Oh, my goodness. And like cuts it open. Blood's coming down Malibu's face. And so they say like what they did is so like during the next activity, when the next a gladiators fighting the next contestant on the side of the camera and this part was staged you see malibu come on and grab that dude from lost boys and yank him off camera and then they like dishevel him off camera they like mess his hair up they like rip his outfit a little bit and then they come back on like it looks like malibu beat the crap out of him for doing that off camera it's pretty great so that is pretty much the history of the original 1989 seven season run of american gladiators and a little uh ancient roman history as well anything you feel we need to add to that story I think, no, that was very comprehensive. I think I want to get to chemistry and find out more about our experiences, our listeners' experience, and most importantly, Mr. Malibu, Darren McBee's experience on that show. Yeah. The, the, okay. Yes. Yes. Let, okay. Off to, uh, yes. Off to chemistry. Let's go. You all right over there, buddy? <laughs> no, we're good because because I was nervous. I had to wear a mask into chemistry today because there's a lot of fumes. We've got oil, we've Oof. got lotion, we've got bronzer, we've got conditioner yeah. and hairspray. Aquanet, yeah. It's just, there's a lot of chemicals in the air in here. Oh, man. Where I want to start this off is we asked our class of 80s high, if they could be an American gladiator, what their name would be. I'm sure it's not as good as... Inferno! Army! Or Ostentatious! Austin. <laughs> no, I'm sure they're amazing. I know they're amazing. I've seen them already. So we had five responses. Okay, hold on. This is the, the re-reboot. The 2021 right. re-reboot. This is who you're up against. Right. So your first contestant is coming back from season one of American Gladiators, Nitro! Oh, Nitro's back. <laughs> they just stole the Somebody name. Somebody just straight up stole Nitro. Sorry, I'm Nitro now. The next person... Now coming to the arena, beard. <laughs> As in like facial hair, beard. This person needs like a ZZ Top, Santa, <laughs> massive, bushy. <laughs> or like what's the the doc? Is he the the dwarf of the seven dwarves that yes. has like the yeah, massive yeah. Perfect. Very good. body Very length good. beard? Very good. Very yeah, perfect. Good. Okay. The next one, lightning. I was really hoping they just wrote in psh, 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 like that and coming up next uh now this person this person's character is a professional window installer we have glazer (laughs) (laughs) they're they're not the professional putting the glazing on top of a a donut they work at baskin robbins and they just do donut glazing yeah uh and last but not least probably the most intimidating of the names i got was aaron aaron just aaron but see, there's a subtlety to it that actually is off-putting. And like, you know, it, right. it, you kind of rest easy. You're like, oh, I'm just going up against Aaron. And like, then no Aaron comes deal. out and dismembers you yeah, yeah, limb yeah, by yeah. limb. You don't see Aaron first. You hear and feel Aaron coming. The ground yeah. shakes. 
Oh, so good. So good. So we talked about how they come up with those names, but Malibu shared with us his story of how he developed his character. Yes. And how the Malibu name came to be. So let's hear his story. Let's do it. I lived in San Fernando Valley. Remember the 90s, that whole Valley Girl thing that was going on? My sister was like the quintessential Valley Girl. And I thought, man, if I play this like a Valley dude and just play that character up, I said, I thought it'd be hilarious. And uh, of course, I thought everybody knew it was a goof, but they didn't. (laughs) They totally bought into it. But uh, it's really kind of a natural extension of who I really am, you know, because a lot of that character is just me only times 10. Because I'm usually a very happy-go-lucky, very positive, uh, spiritual guy. So that was just, like I said, a natural outworking of who uh, Darren McBee really is. What was so funny about that is when I signed on the show, um, I was so different from the other guys because I was, you know, I said, listen, I want to play this different. I don't want to be the, I'm going to kick everybody's butt guy. You know, I wanted to be, you know, the Malibu surfer guy. And um, they originally wanted to call me, I don't know if you guys know this, they wanted to call me Domino. And I said, look, I'm not a pizza delivery guy. I said, well, why don't you call me Malibu, man? I live close to Malibu Beach. Everybody knows Malibu Beach. And they said, ah, oh, great idea. Domino. Who thought that that was an interesting name? I love that he's just like not having it. It's going to be Malibu. He takes ownership of the character. I thought that was great. The Malibu character is Darren just times 10. Right. <laughs> and you know that I'm, you know, positive and happy to be here and that kind of thing. Like um, he puts out good stuff in the universe and good stuff comes back. He's, he's a very positive guy. Yeah, it was a treat. So I want to ask you, so chemistry, where we always like to start off is what do you remember about American Gladiators from your childhood, later yeah. life? What does it bring back for you? So this is a show that I never really watched intentionally. It was one of those shows, if it was on, might be like, oh, let's check it out. And I really feel like this is one of those things where I'm going to my friend's house for the weekend. We're hanging out. We've been doing other stuff for a while. We just want to veg in front of the television. And we're flipping through. American Gladiators comes on. We're like, cool, let's watch. Like that to me, I think is... The majority of my taking in of this show. So like when I watched it, it was fun, but it was never anything I had to like set my VCR to. Gotta catch the next episode. How about you, Ben? So as far as the nostalgia hit, the bump it a bump it a bump like that. This is like the eighth time you've done it. This is great. I know. If we could just do audio clips, it'd be fine. No, but the music, like I love the theme song. Like it's very energetic, very going. Like you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, that's American Gladys right away. My memory of this is you'd watch this show with your friends and then you try and figure out how to recreate these games in real life. That's a great, great point. Yeah, with whatever you've got around the house, what you can't hurt one another enough so your parents find out. We can't send Kyle home with a black eye because his mom will know we were doing American Gladiators again. And you might not be able to do too much like roughing around, falling off the couch and being too loud. Like you had to have that right amount of noise where you didn't annoy. You know, you always knew how much the parents of the house were willing to tolerate. Oh, right? yeah. Like yeah. noise wise and obviously injury wise. <laughs> so there were three games that I remember recreating. The one, okay. the one that we couldn't, but that was my personal favorite was Atlasphere. I knew you were going to say that. It's such a funny game. Who doesn't want to be in a giant hamster ball? Oh my ball? God. Come on. Now. Absolutely. It just looked so fun. But, you know, there was no, we had no resources to really recreate Atlasphere. That's a tough one. Uh, but the rest, the easiest was Joust. Of course. I mean, you just get a couple brooms, whatever poles are lying around the house. When you stop pretending to be Donatello from Ninja Turtles, then you go play Joust. 100%. 
And this is what actually I remember since we talked about prom briefly. Did your school do like an after prom thing? Do you remember after prom? Why do you have to keep bringing up my prom that I didn't go to? Well, maybe you didn't go to prom, but maybe you went to after prom. I don't know. Do you know what after prom is? I hate you so much. (laughs) You monster. So after prom was this program in high school that they would like put together a bunch of entertainment and events at like a sports complex to keep the high schools from going out and like getting drunk and causing trouble after the party. Yeah. And so I remember at after prom, they had joust and it was like proper. It was like they rented it from an entertainment place. You had platforms, you had the foam uh, pugil sticks. And so that was like great to be like a little kid and have tried it in your basement or the woods. And then like, yeah, now I'm really playing joust. Assault was the one that we played all the time. I mean, you could get Nerf guns. Exactly. We had Nerf guns. You'd set up an obstacle course. You'd put your different Nerf guns at each station and maybe you only had a dart or two. And we would definitely like in the front yard, backyard, play a lot of Assault, which was so fun. Absolutely. And of course, whoever was the monster, whoever was the gladiator had a thousand darts around them for ammo. <laughs> and you as this little weakling, you know, probably had three shots total on the course. I also would have worn an oversized shirt and just stuffed it full of like towels. So I look like a beefcake. <laughs> I wish we did that. I hope I find a picture of that. That would have been so good. And lastly, we talked about this. I remember that we did, um, you said, oh, you watched an event and you were like, I don't know if I really get it. Like the appeal. And then I was like, oh, I know about this game. Powerball. So yeah. our gym teacher recreated Powerball in gym class. There's two big buckets of foam balls in the middle. You've got two contestants who are trying to, at like three or four smaller, like trash can size containers, maybe 20 feet away, spread out in an arc, trying to get the foam balls into the garbage cans. But three gladiators are defending the little garbage cans. And so you're trying to run the foam ball to the garbage can, go back, and you've got like a minute to get as many as you can. And yeah, I mean, we weren't out there to beat the crap out of each other. I think we had like, um, do you remember like flag football things around your waist? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I think we had that. And if someone could pull that off you, then you had to go back to the start. Right. When you watch this game, though, in American Gladiators, they destroy one another. Like the gladiator wraps around a contestant and just chucks them out of the arena. It's awesome. But we played that in elementary school a lot, in gym class. It was great. Those are our favorite events. If you ever had the chance, wouldn't you want to ask a real American gladiator what their favorite, least favorite events were? I would, and I did. (laughs) We wanted to know from Darren Malibu McBee, tell us, what events did you love? Which ones did you not like at all? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I'll start with the second thing first. The ones that I not only had to suck it up, but I sucked at it. The Breakthrough and Conquer Ring, the wrestling one. I was horrible at that because I didn't know how to wrestle. I never wrestled before. And I've got such long legs that every time I'd go in that ring, somebody come up underneath me, grab my leg and toss me out like nothing. And I get so frustrated because I like I watch Nitro who wrestled in, in school. He would do that you know, where they prone their legs out and he would at least give them a, you know, a fight. So, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't like that one. But the one that I loved, which I was undefeated at, was the wall. I could get up that wall faster than anybody. And what happened, what I did was I devised this technique where, you know, I had those different pegs that you had to reach for. And and as you moved up the wall, well, as soon as they let the contender go and they blew the whistle for us, I would run at the wall and I would leap off the first peg my foot hit and jump five feet up in the air. So I'd be on those guys in one leap. It was crazy. So I'd snag those guys like before they even made it halfway up the wall. So that was fun. Um, I like Powerball. Now, I wasn't really great at it, but um, I love playing Powerball too. 
the assault game with the cannons, that one? Yeah, yeah. Um, for some reason, I'm known for that. I don't know why, but most people recognize, they say, ah, oh, you killed everybody in that assault cannon, and you were so great. And I'm thinking, I was mediocre. You know, I think it, what, what it was, guys, is that I would always do, like, celebrations. Every time I would win, I'd be acting a fool, dancing up there. And people remember that. That, you know, resonates with them and the guys having a great time. And I think that's what kind of caught on in people's minds more than anything else was the fact that here's this guy competing, win, lose. He's having a ball. Yeah. So Breakthrough and Conquer, it's a hard game. And that was actually the episode I, w- I watched where he wrestled at the end of Breakthrough and Conquer. Okay, me too. Did we end up watching the same episode? I think we might have. I think we might have. But I can see how that's really hard. Yeah. But what an athlete in the wall where he's like, I would just run and I would hit the first peg and jump five feet vertical. That was some like Jackie Chan, like running up the wall, grabbing the person. Chris, you're on the wall. You're on the wall. You're monkeying fast. You're like, I got this. And you hear the pounding of Malibu's footsteps on the floor beneath you. And he hits the peg and he jumps five feet and he's at his ankle and you look down. What goes through your head? Well, first off, I feel the mane flowing up against my (laughs) leg and i'm like oh no and it's basically right before i've never been in the open like serengeti plains chased by a lion (laughs) but i have to imagine just that moment before the lion pounces on you that's what i would feel in that moment and then i just get torn down back to earth (laughs) i feel like that's very accurate of what it would have been like terrifying but majestic and amazing and i love that like he didn't have a clear memory or love of assault but that's what everyone else remembers him for but again it's his showmanship like he defined himself as this different kind of character he wasn't going to be you know like i'm a tough guy you know he wasn't going to be that guy he's going to be like i'm playing this malibu character and he's going to have fun with it he's just gonna you know the joy comes through i thought that was great oh yeah but speaking of tough guy and him being able to jump Five feet vertical in a wall. Yeah. Uh, I know we all like to think that we're just born with just physical prowess and it just comes naturally. He had to work for that. So let's hear uh, what Darren was doing back then to stay so fit and active. Okay, you're probably not going to believe this, but it's it's true. And this is what I, I give credit to for me being able to be, like you said, nimble. That's a great word. Actually, I played professional racquetball in the late 70s and 80s. And I got to be really, really good. I played in tournaments. I actually, when I was in the police department, um, I won a gold medal in the police Olympics two years in a row. I won a gold medal in the world police and fire Olympics. So in racquetball, you have to be really fast, nimble, coordinated, hand-eye coordination, everything. So that is really, I think, what gave me the ability to move so quickly and, and be an athlete. And of course, as I was working out, I did want to body build, but I didn't want to build muscle that was unnecessary. Uh, more, more built like a Tarzan character than, you know, Joe bodybuilder. That makes sense. To me, that's, that was really important is like you said, the fact that I had that athletic ability going into this stuff made a big difference for me. Wow. So he was in some like serious competitive racquetball yeah, I had to actually, I couldn't even remember. This is how like terribly sportball I am. I had to Google racquetball again to remember what that sport looked like. That's the one where the ball's just flying all around that room. Yeah. That's a terrifying game. I've played tennis and I feel like racquetball is like tennis times 10, right? Like tennis obviously can be a pretty intense sport, but when you add a ceiling and a back wall and sidewalls and all of a sudden it's just a murder ball flying around. Do you think he played racquetball with the Conan, the barbarian broadsword? Is that how he intimidated (laughs) 
this competition? I don't think he did, but I kind of wish he did. So much of um, Darren McBee's success, yes, is he's got the appearance for Hollywood. He's got the the fitness. But so much of his just like philosophy and approach to life, this just like positivity, not quitting, putting himself out there, having fun and casualness was that like really is what is helping propel him in his career. Which I think you said, how many IMDb credits does he have now? He has 52 acting credits. Yeah, yeah. He didn't rest on his American Gladiator laurels because Laurel Wreath is a Greek and Roman ancient gladiatory thing. I wish you all could see Ben right now. I know you can hear it. I wish you could see it. The self-satisfaction is, it's a little too much. Resting on your laurels. Well, should we talk a little bit or hear from Darren, I should say, about his experience he went from not being known to being propelled kind of into stardom. Do we want to hear from him talking about that journey? Of course. It's a great story. You know, we were basically all nobodies. And then instantly, you know, within a month, I, I went to, I remember a TGI Fridays. And uh, I, I look up on the screen. And these people are going nuts at the bar. And there, there I am playing Powerball on American Gladiators. I say, wow, this is crazy. You know, things like that, going to a movie theater one time, a um, theater let out, it was a kid's movie, I guess, or something. And I got swamped by like 150 kids. It was like, and, I, and it's only like two months after the show's been on. And I really realized then the power of television and the impact that, you know, we can have for good or bad as TV personas. You know, it was funny I, when I stumbled upon YouTube back in the day, I counted at least 12 different parodies of me doing that whole, you know, by the beach with the babes and that whole interview. People had remembered that what I said and did it verbatim, word for word. One person playing Mike Adamley and one person playing me. And I was howling, laughing. Uh, imitation and, and flattery was like amazing. You know what I mean? They, they say they kind of go together. And I just was so impressed and thankful that I had that many people that cared. But the other side of it was I was getting these crazy marriage proposals from women all over the world. Some gal was sending me music that she composed and and, uh, and uh, other ones just saying, oh, man, I want to move to Malibu and they can, you know, sit at a bonfire and I can watch you surf and, and I'll cook you whatever hot dogs and we'll have the best time. And I'm thinking, I've never surfed in my life. <laughs> so, Chris, when when we make it big, when 80s High is sponsored and it's in everyone's airwaves all around the world, which chain restaurant do you think we'll find out about our fame in? A fantastic question. So we're going to be eating somewhere and we're going to look up on the screen and we're going to, just like Darren did, right? Right. right. Or or they're going to be playing like a Spotify playlist right. and they're like, coming up next, 80s high. <laughs> right. Are we at Red Robin? Yeah, I can see Is it. Is that I where can, we're at? I can see it at Red Robin. <laughs> are we getting burgers from Red Robin? We are getting burgers from Red Robin. No, I love- I Bottomless love- fries. <laughs> like we're on our fifth or sixth serving of bottomless fries. We've eaten way too much and we're just like, oh, and then we look up. I'll take another order of fries. I love the authenticity and like the real human experience of being at just like a casual restaurant that many of us have all eaten at and being like, that's kind of when it, he remembers like when it hit him of like, oh my God, that's me that everyone's excited about on the TV. Like, this is something. Like, it's awesome. But then you get flooded by a swarm of children. Yeah. Because they're so excited to see you. I also, I wanted to ask him in the interview, but I know we were running short on time. I really wanted to hear the song that the woman composed for him. 
and trying oh to get gosh. him to marry her. No, that's a lie. And it definitely, you know, he kind of touches on the darker side or the downside of fame a little bit. Fame is not all glory. And I think that's something like as as a kid watching the show, again, you missed it. Like these look like action figures. They didn't look real. Right. Johnny, the you know, the creator and all the gladiators, there's this great interview where they reminisce about being out in public as a gladiator wasn't always a good thing. And sometimes people wanted to prove their courage and strength right there on the street with them. I must have been challenged to fight six, seven times. It would always be the same thing. I'd be minding my own business. And some guy would walk up and said, why are you mad dog and my girlfriend? I'd go, who are you and who's your girlfriend? You know, I happened to maybe glance over looking at, you know, something totally different. And all of a sudden this guy gets insecure. And so he has to bow up and come over and challenge me. And so this is how I got out of every single fight. I said, listen, let's pretend that we went outside. You kicked my butt and we came in and let me buy you a drink. And you can tell everybody you beat up Malibu and we can move on with our lives. Every time I said that, they'd start laughing, going, oh, okay, I guess you're not such an a-hole after all. And ha, ha, ha. So I'd buy them a drink, and that'd be the end of it. They just, they want to have their honor protected, and, you know, they really don't want to fight. I mean, that's pretty much the last thing they want to do. But, you know, if they're embarrassed for their girlfriend or whatever, um, you just go under the radar, go real low, and, you know, you're the king, I'm the court jester, let's have a good time, and they'll just laugh it off most of the time. This guy could diffuse... A situation so amazingly. I was like, did he get that from his days as the LA County Sheriff? Is this just his style? But the fact that he was just like, he knew intuitively what this guy was about. And just such the Malibu personality too. just be like, hey, man, we're all here for a good time. Like, let's just find a fun way out of this. Like, you don't <laughs> let's say this. you beat me up. I'll buy you a beer and yeah, we'll be good. No big bro. And the guy was like, oh what? really cool. So while Darren McBee was great at dodging real fights on the street, Malibu on screen couldn't always dodge the hit. He did tell us about his sort of crippling injury on the show during the Human Cannibal event. Yeah, and what's great about this is he really turned it into a positive, like redirecting that energy and what that led to from having that moment and how it propelled him into stardom. So let's hear him talk about that. That was a defining moment in my career because that hit made me an instant internet sensation. I mean, it went viral within, I guess, within a, a year when the internet started, uh, you know, getting to be kind of popular. So I took that in stride. And then the next day, because, uh, you know, I was off the show for a day and a half because I had that concussion and had to heal up a little bit. But the next day when Mike Adamly interviewed me, I just played it totally tongue in cheek and did that whole surfer spiel thing. And people went nuts over it. I mean, they just thought it was hilarious. But the side of it that was really funny is that me being an actor, it took almost a year and a half for me to get an audition because every casting director said, don't send that big blonde dummy in here. We saw him talk. <laughs> He's just a big dumb surfer. And my agent is going, it's a total put on. They're going, no way. Nobody can fake that. And so um, to me, it was like golden. It was just a golden thing that happened all the way around. So um, I love it. I think it's hilarious. So we know our favorite memories and events, and we know Darren slash Malibu's favorite events on the show. Uh, but we asked the class of 80s high, what were your favorite events or your best memories from watching American Gladiators growing up? Yes. Uh, and so let's go through some of these. I'll go, um, wow, I haven't thought about this show since my childhood years. What a great flashback. We used to act out the jousting in the pool 
It was definitely my favorite event from American Gladiator. In the pool or were they on like rat, like floats on top of the pool? You had to try and knock someone in? It sounds exceptionally safer than what they did on the show. At least you were falling into water. Exactly. Yeah. And not very far. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not a long drop. That's great. Being that you love big hair so much, do you want to do the second one? Yeah, so another listener said, being born in 87, mostly caught reruns of the show when ESPN would have them on in the mornings in the mid-90s. But this listener always loved watching them, even though they found most of the hairstyles very confusing. Uh, You mean awesome? Phenomenal. (laughs) Mains of inspiration. What are you talking about? I mean, goodness gracious, the feathered flowing mane what is not to understand no that's great i love that so good um and then yeah somebody else wrote in uh they clearly remember when they recreated assault using a three-man water balloon launcher like i think one of those like military grade you know the rubber band in the middle kind of thing uh, instead of a tennis ball cannon and it was an absolute riot so like we said like people rebuild this stuff and make it and run the gauntlet with themselves it's great so much fun now back to our good friend malibu He was not always on the show. He is still one of the most iconic gladiators, both for his performance and his persona and his look. Uh, But he wasn't actually on most of the run of the TV show. Just one season. Just one season. But he made a comeback. I mean, he was not done being a gladiator after season one. And he shared that great story with us about the rise, the fall, and the re-rise of Malibu. Well, I made it through the, the whole first season. And then um, I came back for the live tour and I did the, I did the live tour. We started up from Maine and then all the way back down to, uh, and this is really cool. Um, I'm digressing a little bit, but um, when I was on the live tour, one of the greatest experiences of my life was at Madison Square Garden, standing on the floor of Madison Square Garden, looking 21,000 people. I can't even explain it. You just, you're in awe going, wow, this is incredible. And, you know, people are screaming to get autographs and uh, amazing. So what happened after the first season, there was this guy named Barry Frank, one of the producers. And Barry Frank could not stand the fact that I was having so much fun on that show. He couldn't stand the fact that if I got beat, I'd shake it off and laugh. What he wanted was he wanted everybody to be like Nitro. And I wasn't Nitro. I could have been, but I didn't want to be that character because that's everybody else. I didn't want to be like everybody else. So he fired me. He had me fired. And um, the next season, they fired him because he was not a pleasant person. So Johnny Ferraro, God bless him, got me back on the tour. And then we also did a big uh, dinner show thing in Kissimmee, Florida, which is kind of like a medieval knights thing. You know where the guys do that medieval knights where they're jacking? Okay. Yeah. Same concept, only using gladiator games. Same thing. Did that in Florida, which was a blast, had a great time. So that was kind of how I was I was in and out of the gladiators one way or the other for years. So same question as the Applebee's question. What 21,000 person sports arena are we going to play to uh, at 80s High Podcast in the future? Well, we are in the Pacific Northwest. I would love to do it out at the Gorge Amphitheater. Oh, that would be aw- a little baby. A little Dave Matthews <laughs> at the Gorge would be awesome. The beautiful setting, the beautiful backdrop. That's where I want it to happen. Again, though, I love Darren has these moments where he is able to, amongst all the insanity of stardom and shooting and traveling that he's always uh, he's a guy who's been able to stop for a second and savor this moment to like realize 
where he's at and like be appreciative of it. So he has the TGI Fridays moment. And then like two years later, two, three years later, he's in Madison Square Garden <laughs> performing live American Gladiators to that huge crowd. He's able to just like take that in for a second. What a dream. It's incredible. And of course, that is not the end of Malibu because he makes one more appearance in 2014. And where does this appearance happen, Ben? On all shows, the YouTube sensation Tosh.0. Tosh.0. It is hilarious. You should go watch the clip. But this is what Darren had to say about his time on that show. I had so much fun. Um, First of all, I didn't know who Tosh was, but my daughter's going, Dad, you're going to be on Tosh? And I go, yeah, who is this guy? He goes, oh, you got to watch. So I started watching and I'm howling. This guy's hilarious. And so she and her best friend begged me to come. And of course, I brought him with me. And um, he was nothing but the most gracious, kind guy to both of my, my daughter and her friend. It was just, I was so impressed by him. And we just had a ball, you know, and the fact that he could spoof everything and all that stuff with a girl was hilarious. I remember that, that whole kissing, it looked like I was macking with her. Really close, and I had my hand over her mouth going, let's just pretend I'm sucking on yours like crazy. And she's <laughs> laughing, and we're laughing. <laughs> I never even, I never touched her, but we were, we just had a ball. So it was, it was a great, fun experience. Just absolute blast. The laughter in his voice when we were talking about this, he had so much fun. Oh my God. And I love, I love that he's able to be like a fun, playful gentleman of like how to like fake make out with his girlfriend on the side. (laughs) And I love that they brought him back to do assault where he was like, I don't know why people think of me with assault, but he he had to play assault again. Being that Tosh is such a contemporary show about the contemporary pipes on the interwebs. Maybe this is a great branch for us to uh, head down the hallway, but first, Mm. grab a little bite to eat. I mean, all of this wrestling around, all of this oiled skin on oiled skin action, so we're not going to put that in there. (laughs) No, we can do it. We're just going to slide on our oiled bellies right into the cafeteria for lunch. That's what we're going to do. Oh my gosh. Just slip and slide. I will see you there. Woo! No way a little dude like you is gonna change oh, my ways. It's time you were tempted with the taste of nuts and honey. Hulk Hogan doesn't eat nuts and honey. Did you take this? An unbeatable part of this nutritious breakfast. That's better than a body slam. Undefeated. And still champion. It's a honey envelope. It's honey nut Cheerios. Tonight on Down to Earth, can it be true? I am adopted. I'll buy that. Then on Safe at Home, the gang's New Year's plans are up in the air. Dan's plane is circling. It can't land. And on Rocky Road, guess who's coming to dinner? Wait till everyone hears about this. (laughs) Will Sandy have his heart burned again? No problem. It all begins at 6.05 Eastern, only on Superstation WTBS. Tonight. Protein shakes. I don't know what the announcements were, but I had a protein shake. It sounded like it was appropriate for today. Or wait, wait what does Rocky do? Is it the eggs? Eggs, yeah, just just Ugh. pounds the eggs. Oh, so gross. Blah. So let's talk about what American Gladiators influenced going forward yes. into the future. 
So I guess to kick it off, it's not necessarily super contemporary, but while American Gladiators was going on, there was a very popular video game, American Gladiators. Came out uh, in 1991. It was on the Super Nintendo, which is what you and I play a lot of Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it was, on, it was on a bunch of systems. And it is homework for me to go play it after we stop recording tonight, because I do want to take it for a test drive. Oh, my gosh. You have to report back. Fortunately, I won't get hurt playing it, which is great. You might get some calluses on your thumb. I'm just going to say. Yeah, you might. that's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Fortunately, I told you my love for Atlasphere, that we couldn't yes. recreate it, but um, have you ever been in a Zorba Ball? I have not. Okay, but you know this, a Zorba Ball is the thing kind of started in uh, New Zealand as a thing, getting a big giant plastic see-through hamster wheel and they hamster ball and they roll you down a hill. I, I'm afraid I would get sick, but that aside, it looks like so much fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there was a video game on Xbox in the early aughts called Fusion Frenzy, which was like a multiplayer head-to-head game. And in that, you had a, Zor- a couple Zorba Ball sort of uh, atmosphere games in it, too. So there was some influence from those so things, but that's the digital influence. Yeah. But I've got a big list here of what I think in the real world this show influenced. Okay. So I might be overstretching here, but I think basically any physical challenge that is televised and a little theatrical and over the top that has different obstacles or obstacle courses in it, I think they owe their history to American Gladiators. I'm going to go one step further and say competition shows in general. Yeah, that's fair enough. Because we have a lot of them nowadays. Talent shows, dancing, singing, magic. There's a ton of them. And I feel like that competitive, the physical, you're absolutely right. But I would say underpinning all of this, I think is a little the DNA that is American Gladiators. Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, with the, I mean, a little on target, I guess, in the theatricality of it, I think of Ninja Warrior is very mm. popular right now and you watch those activities and there's a wall i mean some of the some of the events are exactly american gladiator events i think of the comedy show most extreme elimination challenge oh yeah yeah i mean it's dubbing it's uh, it was i think it was a japanese show japan has done a lot of these like crazy yeah. crazy zany obstacle course people and it's just like blooper reels of people i don't know how they're not dead quite frankly no. these falls these people take oh yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I think that got inspiration from this. Um, Just last year on Discovery Channel, they came out with a show called Dodgeball. Oh, my God. And I thought it was just going to be like professional dodgeball. Like, that sounds fun. But you watch it. And no, it's obstacle courses all set up with like getting blasted by dodgeballs, dodging dodgeballs, running through these foam obstacle courses. And I was like, oh, that's American Gladiators. That's amazing. I mean, that's there. And then I just think of like general fitness competitions like Tough Mudder. The Warrior mm-hmm. Dash, the Spartan mm-hmm. races, these theatrical, very different obstacle courses that you're running, burning hay, logs, uh, crawling through icy mud water, like... Rolling tractor tires yes! up a hill, yeah. <laughs> this is American Gladiators! And I think all this stuff owes it to Ferraro and his, his cast of Gladiators to making this happen. There's one ridiculous show I had to mention, which is Hole in the Wall. Have you ever seen this show? What is Hole in the Wall? Hole in the Wall, I think, started as a UK show. They brought it over to the US for maybe a season or two. And basically, you and three other people you know get together, and a wall comes at you, and it has certain shapes cut out in it, and you (laughs) all have to try to contort yourself into the shape of the thing. Without breaking the wall or being knocked into the pool that you are standing right at the edge of. This is amazing. I love that. The best part is this is how they line them up and it says, all right, contestants, prepare for the hole. And then the wall just comes at you. It's 
ridiculous but oddly entertaining uh i will be watching what's it called the hole what's it called again hole in the wall hole in the wall. just hole in the wall yeah now you wanted to point out american gladiators wasn't the only version of american gladiators right yeah what else was out there well, so Darren had kind of mentioned there was an American Gladiators Orlando Live dinner show that mm. started in 95 that he came back to reprise his role as Malibu. And just as he said, it's basically like dinner and a show. It's like gladiators or um, like the medieval gladiators. What was that popular restaurant called? Uh, medieval Times. Yeah, it's like a medieval yeah. times kind of a thing, right? And. I couldn't get a sense of how long that went on, but it did start in 95. And they had a combination of gladiators from the show as well as some new gladiators. And they did a bunch of these different events. They did the wall, breakthrough and conquer, assault, whiplash, and the eliminator. So all the ones we had kind of covered. So there was also Gladiators 2000, which was a kid's version of the show. Did you know about this one? I did not know about this one. Also known as G2, hosted by Ryan Seacrest and Maria Sansone later Valerie Ray Miller in season two. And this is on in 94 to 96, so a couple years. You had mentioned there was a brief comeback of American Gladiators in 2008. Do you know who co-hosted this show? Uh, wait, I actually, dang it, I wrote it down and then I deleted it. Um, think of a muscle man. So what are those two? There's, there's Jennifer Lopez, I think was a co-host on it. Oh, maybe she was later. I didn't have that. And was it uh, Schwarzenegger? It's Hulk Hogan. It's Hulk. All oh, right, it's Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania. Hulkamania. Yeah. So good. So they did a revival, lasted a short time. And then as Ben mentioned, there were a ton of shows that were like, hey, American Gladiators look successful. Let's do our version. Now, Ben, I'm going to name you this show, and I want you to tell me what is their spin okay. on American Gladiators. I love, I love this game. Okay, do you it. You ready? Yeah. Battle Dome. Uh, it's like someone who saw uh, Mad Max Enter Thunderdome. And so it's all, no, no, it's not. It was the visionary who would later write the blockbuster film Battleship. And so there's a <laughs> dome that's made on the ocean and they have to battle in boats in, inside the dome on the ocean, like a grid and on a grid. I love your version. Uh, this one from the name is harder to guess, but this basically took all the like pro wrestling elements and the more scripted elements and brought it into the show. Okay. So there were challenges, but it made it more kind of, I'm going to say cheesy. Okay. This one's going to be hard. Beach Clash. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Okay. And I'm going to guess they did all the events in the sand on a beach. You are 100% correct. Nailed it. On the beach. Ah, on the I beach. I got it. I got Nicely it. Nicely done. Blade Warriors. Uh, this is where they actually fought to the death. And so it was swords and katanas. The, the Conan broadsword, Conan broadsword. Right? It was just, I mean, it was all the same stuff. Just somebody always died at the end of the show. Lots of decapitations. Basically an episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, this one, you're going to say duh, because I did. It's about skating, ice skating. Oh, oh. So they're doing competitions whilst skating. Oh, that sounds very dangerous. It sounds crazy. Oh my God. Okay. The show you can't wait for me to talk about. Knights and Warriors. Knights and Warriors. What do you think that theme is? It is about a bunch of cable, internet, and television installers. It's a competition to try and befriend Matthew Broderick. And then if you can befriend Matthew Broderick, you go to Medieval Times for dinner. I do not know what's going on right now. The, the Cable Guy? The movie The Cable Guy oh, from the 90s? Oh, I have not seen that probably since it came out. Oh my god. Uh, okay, so it's Medieval Times. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah So, yeah. I mean, it's almost a carbon copy, but they just... 
Knights and Warriors. It's all medieval. It's ridiculous. Sandblast. Um, we really did the beach. Is it out in the Sahara? Don't overthink it. Don't don't overthink it. Okay, they bring the beach to the arena, and there's just sand on the arena floor. We're just back to the beach. It's just a different version. What? This was oh MTV's version. Again, take oh, this idea no. at the beach. There was not a lot of ingenuity put oh, into this one. God. And then last, but certainly not least, Wild West Showdown. So it's cowboy competitions. Cowboy competitions. Okay. <laughs> Western theme. You got it. All of these are pretty, you know, by the book standard, but oh, yeah. obviously trying to cash in on the glory that was American Gladiators. I will say also, did you find out that it is maybe making another comeback? I did not. So as of 2018, okay, Evan Goldberg and the obvious choice for someone to produce American Gladiators, Seth Rogen. I can see it. We're working on bringing American Gladiators back. I couldn't find what happened to it because it was an article that, that was like in 2018 saying they were working on trying to release it in 2020. Even IMDb, you know, it says like in production. So it's kind of just, I, I couldn't find an answer on it. But there's an article that said that Seth Rogen is out there working on another Gladiators. We eagerly anticipate your genius, sir. So we're talking a couple of dum-dums. What do we know? What do we know? Why don't we ask an actual Gladiator what impact he thinks this show had on pop culture. What did American Gladiators influence? Let's see what Darren had to say about that. You know, I think that that was a turning point in American television in the sense that it almost kicked off reality TV, if you think about it. Certainly, if you talk to Johnny Ferraro, he'll say that. But I mean, it really paved the way for people to look at that and say, wow, we can film something where it's live action and it's relatively inexpensive to film and people are going nuts watching it because that show it was so incredibly popular that we were literally beating wrestling constantly in the ratings. We were performing higher than the WWE back then. So that'll tell you how popular that show was. I think in a lot of ways, it was just an amazing, iconic part of the 90s that uh, really resonated with people, really hit their heartstrings and an inspiration for, like I said, a lot of other shows. So I look back and I'm super proud of it and super thankful to be a part of it. And it's just great to be able to, you know, share stories like that with guys like you. It's just a lot of fun. I was amazed when he said that they were outperforming professional wrestling. That was at its height, I feel like, in the 80s, right? Again, talk about Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah. That was the era of Hulkamania. And the fact that this show was able to unseat pro wrestling, WWF, WWE. Impressive. Oh, yeah. I think he also points out, you know, the sort of helping to start reality television, from us as a spectator point of view, there's one aspect of just what American Gladiators was and what it started. But from being in the industry of like producing entertainment, reality television is a game changer. Like I feel like maybe like 15 years ago, 10 years ago, there was this just boom in it of like all the HGTV stuff and like Animal Planet and then just like all the stuff following different combinations of families and different stuff. When the Weather Channel has reality television, you know it's ubiquitous. And from a production standpoint, like you said, like... It saves so much money. Like reality television, American Gladiators is a little different, but in reality television, you're not building sets, you're not paying stars to be a part of it, and it's pretty fast turnaround. Like it really, in a way, is a huge game changer on mm -hmm. entertainment and what it is and how to produce it and turnaround time and the cost of it. It's a big deal. 
Absolutely. I'm sure there are many other things that American Gladiators has inspired that we could talk about forever, but that's I've, I have run the gamut. I've been through the gauntlet course. I found my way through the maze, and I think I'm ready to try and figure out how this adds up today. We're going to have to punch through this paper wall, and we're going to hope to heck on the other side of this bad boy isn't an oiled up beefcake that we are just going to be able to soar right through and start doing the math. Okay, I'm going left. Are you going right? I'm going left. I'm, I'm going right. I'll see you on the other side, buddy. All right, go, 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 uh, Okay, it was a 50-50 odds game we were playing in a math class. I ran straight into Malibu. I just woke up from a concussion. It's like hitting a brick wall. You just can't get through that guy. He's a tough competitor. Oh, man. Math class. So... American Gladiators, starting yes. Erie, Pennsylvania, 1982. I mean, really starting 264 BC uh, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a big party. And it's come through so much. Let's just try and focus on the original season and series. Does it yeah. hold up today? I mean, obviously, there's a dated aspect to the look of it. This is not personally my favorite kind of property. It does sort of skirt the line of pro wrestling with some of the antics not really my jam so much. You know, the outcomes, I think, were pretty genuine. They weren't faked. But there's still that artifice there that is hard for me with reality television to really kind of bust through. Nevertheless, competition shows are tons of fun. Mm -hmm. The David versus Goliath aspect of it is amazing, right? Mere mortals can go up against these titans, these gladiators, these champions, and do a battle, feats of strength, endurance, physical challenge, all that great stuff. And it helped to launch some careers and some spinoffs and in a way was part of the movement of birthing reality television, what it's become. So I think undeniably, the math is there. It's solid. It's not a property I'm going to go back and revisit. But I'm going to tell you, as we're sitting here talking about like recreating these events at home, I was like, gosh, I'm really bummed I live by myself. I just kind of want to do a little bit of jousting on the couch right now. You could try and make a track on your ceiling and scramble around like a lizard in Florida like they did. That one or was Or maybe nuts. I just get myself one of those giant gerbil balls yeah, and I just, I finally, I just take it out to a park and I just do my own atmosphere competition. That sounds like very safe leisure right now. I like Physical that. distancing. So it's perfect. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I'm, I'm going to go with you on that one where I'm not going to, for, for how it holds up today, I'm not going to go for a full 100%. Just to get prepared for this, I watched one season one episode, and I also went through just trying to find clips of every single event just so I could remember what the events were. It's really hard to find a full episode of American Gladiator season one online, and then when you find them, the transfer has just not been good. It feels like a VHS that's been copied a thousand times. For sure. So like the quality to rewatch it online is really hard. Like it's pixelated. It's really actually hard to see what's going on. And there are some rough edges here and there. Some things in the costuming that I don't want to get into are a little rough. You know, again, in season one, I think the gladiators were still trying to find their characters. You know, they're not fully immersive, engaging characters yet, but they're getting there. Yeah. I think the showmanship and show personship, I guess, of... The competitors, the contestants who come on, again, this is early on in reality show. And you think of like how polished I feel like reality show people are now. You have the term reality show stars. Back then, it, it really felt like your everyday person. So them, like when you when they get interviewed, it feels a little rougher and a little long and a little more authentic, though. Sure. What redeems it for me, I mean, theme song is a banger forever. Clearly, we know you still love that. 
it's a banger of a theme song. And honestly, the events are fun to watch. Like there is a good, you know, they've structured the show that you're trying to get through this round and then this round and then this round. And you're going to face these different gladiators. And they are exciting to watch the events. You know, like I said earlier, it's a lot of trial and error figuring out how to make these events exciting, but safe, but challenging. And um, they are. They hit all those and you are watching like, oh my God, like how long are they going to last or are they going to make it? Like, I so I think it holds up. Even the original 1989 season one is engaging. It holds up. It's exciting. It's fun to watch. That's awesome. You know, we went back and forth several times trying to get connected with Darren. He suffered the fate that many of us have where like he connected to Zoom, but the audio wasn't there. and We could see each other. And so we had to get off and he got on the phone. Like any good gladiator, he pushed through, he went to the limit, and he made, he, he gave us more than 45 minutes of his time, and he's a working actor right now. He's not about doing it. What was your sort of lasting impression of our time with uh, Darren McBee today? Again, what I was struck by continuously, and I saw this in interviews that I watched prior to us talking with him, and certainly experienced it in our conversation. What a generous guy. Again, I think the the best qualities of that character are true to him, right? Which is, let's just roll with it. Let's have fun. Let's do this right and have a good time doing it. That just comes through in the way he talks, the way he treats people. Those who are both hanging out with him, having a good time, and people who have challenged him out in life. Like, that's just who he is. And I think, you know, we talked about connection and just lifting each other up in a lot of ways. And that was totally in his spirit. And it was, it was just, it was so much fun. Yeah. He was a very authentic, really real, very relatable. I felt very warm person who had so many great stories and like any good drama, some were hilarious and fun. Some were dark and scary. He is a great storyteller. I always feel like as an interviewer, it's my job to make the interviewee feel as comfortable and as relaxed as possible. But I felt like he was doing that for us. And he made us feel really welcome into his world and telling us these stories. Yeah. And so he was really kind. He had some very kind kind of parting words on all of this, what all this meant to him um, and talking with us and about the show. Yeah, let's go to that. And I appreciate what you guys do, man. I mean, it's really neat that you're doing something that takes people away from their daily concerns and, and the craziness that's going on in this world and give them something to smile about. That's, a, that's important, guys. So I want to thank you for what you're doing also. That was awesome. I mean, I don't know. I, I felt so excited when he was like, thanks for what you do. This is a great thing. I was like, thanks, buddy. I'm blushing. No. <laughs> so Darren said a couple of things, though, there that, that may not have come up in this episode. And that's because we talked at length with him about his career, about physical fitness, uh, what he's got going on today. He's been in so much fun, like television and movies, and we don't want to leave that on the cutting room floor. So we're going to do another after school special uh, right after American Gladiators this episode. Uh, and like, don't skip over. I know there's some podcasts that I listen to where I skip over the special episodes because like, I just want the meat and potatoes of it. Do not skip this because when he gets into his stories about uh, working with Elvira and getting on the Batman movies yes. and Mortal Kombat and all the great stuff Curb he's doing today. Curb your enthusiasm. Today. Curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. And what he's got going on today, I mean, they're equally as good as what we talked about in the show. They're just not about American Gladiators. And it's really great stories to go hear. Yeah. So watch for that extra content, extended interview. So exciting. Which brings us to our my favorite part of the show. Yeah. But you had the wherewithal to get Darren in on the action. Well, so I told Ben, I was like, I, I kind of don't want to let Darren get away without finding out, hey, 
what would he want us to talk about from the 80s? And so I wanted to pitch that to him and just see what he said. And here's what he, he had to suggest. Yeah, you know what? I, my takeaway from the 80s is big hair and glam bands. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to me, to look back and see these guys that I look at, go, oh, man, these guys from Motley Crue, these guys from Poison are so cool, and they've got lipstick and all that. And you look back, and now it's kind of, you kind of laugh a little bit. But that was it, man. I, some, some gal sent me a picture from the class of, I think it was 82, and I was howling because every single girl in that picture that senior year had hair that went out of the frame of the camera. It was like oh, yeah. huge hair. And so I think that's hilarious, man. I mean, if there's some way you could encapsulate an 80s thing about that, it would be so funny, man. Just just um, find a couple of people that are involved. I don't know. That just that, That's kind of what popped in my mind. I, I, I love the 80s. It was a great time for me, and uh, I love the music, and it's kind of when my whole life started changing for me in a lot of neat ways. So I have fond memories of the 80s. And so I told Ben, I love this idea. We're totally at some point, we need to talk about big hair bands. I'm kind of thinking maybe like a, a, a top list, like a top three, a top five or something like that. I want to get all into the 80s big hair band sensation. If you're listening right now and you were a hairdresser in the 80s, <laughs> you did your, you got your hair done up in the 80s. You reach out to us, 80s High Podcast at gmail.com. I want to talk with you about doing hair in 80s style. Hit us up. I want to get into it. If you had a wall of bangs, let us know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wall of bangs would be a great 80s like cover band. 200%. For sure. So we're really excited about that, but I wanted to make sure that I still had control. Oh God. I wrestled Darren for control of the next topic selection. So he had a great idea. We're, we're going to put it in the vault. But Ben, I'm really excited to tell you about next week's episode topic. Is it Knights and what's 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 the what's the Oh my spin-off? God, let it go. It's not Knights and Warriors. Let Knights it go. Knights and Warriors. Let it go. Let it go. Dun, 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 no. Go dun, watch dun, an episode dun, dun, dun. of it. It's ridiculous. Okay. As you know, I've tried to add a lot of variety in my picks, but I finally decided, you know what, this one, I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to do a pick that Chris wants, and I'm not going to be thinking about all this other stuff. Wow. Bold move. Okay. Bold move. But I think you're going to love it. So let me ask you a, a setup question. When you're a kid, think back. You felt like you had it all, right? You had energy. You had playfulness. You were soaking up the world around you. You were a curious creature. But... What is it that you don't have as a kid? Height. You don't have height. Money. You have money. Strength. You have no strength. Um, rocket ship. You don't have rocket ships. You don't have freedom. You don't have the choice to do whatever you want. When we're young, we want to be grown up. When we're adults, we yearn for those days of carefree childhood. So what if you could explore both sides of that coin in one movie? Youth and age. That's right. Find your local Zoltar machine, make your wishes, because we're diving headfirst onto the trampoline that is the 1988 Tom Hanks classic sensation, the movie Big. Ah, classic. What a pull. That's great. You know, I talked about it on the show. You know, we brought it up in a previous episode and I was sitting here. I was like, what do I do? We've already done a movie, but I was like, you know what? I haven't chosen a movie and I love that one. Great film. There's a lot in there. And who didn't want to be a professional toy tester and conceptor while you, you, when you saw that movie as a kid, you didn't know that was a job. And then you're like, that's the job I want. Come ah, on. What a great pull. Can't wait to talk about this. Super jazzed. Well, there you have it. 
Next week, we're going to start small, we're going to get big, and then we're going to realize we had it in us all along. All along. From big hair to big movie. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone, for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed at gregreedmusic.com with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to help spread the rumor. Stay radical.